Good evening. Welcome here to Family Matters tonight. Uh, this evening we have Ben and Ellie Wilson up with us, all the way from Hamilton, the Tron. Um, and they're going to be talking about good foundations for the early years of marriage. And uh, Ben and Ellie have got a really neat story to tell of uh, their relationship and how it's, how it's grown and blossomed over the years. They've been married three and a half years. Um, so got, still in the early years. So still in the early years. They've got uh, baby number one on the way, which is very exciting. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to talking to them tonight. So welcome Ben and Ellie. How did you both meet? So we met at an Easter camp for what, when we were about 17 odd? Yep, give or take. Give or take. Um, yeah, I was just at the Easter camp and Ellie, it was the first camp you went to, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Came with her friend um, Caitlin. And yeah, we met at the camp and started talking and found we had a bit in common and then we became good friends from there. So, cool. Yeah. Which is how it started. That's how it started. Easy. Right. Pretty basic. So what attracted you to each other? Um, I think definitely for me it was she was just so easy to talk to. Like it was the sort of person that you could just talk and talk and talk and not realise where the time has gone. We never had a silent moment. Um, and she, I was the kind of person I felt I could open up to, I suppose. I don't know what it was like for you. Yeah, so that's pretty similar. I mean, I guess Ben kind of struck me as the sort of person who was nothing too like daredevil, because I'm not, I'm a bit of a safe, you know, play it by the rules kind of safe sort of sheltered person. Um, but enough that it was like, you know, he was willing to, you know, go for a swim in the sea and do kind of stuff. A little bit more spontaneous, but nothing too scary at the same time. So it was nice to sit and go, Oh yeah, he kind of seems like fun, like nothing too scary, but kind of enough to kind of keep you um, testing your comfort zones in some ways. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, I agree. I think the biggest thing for both of us was um, it was to find somebody that you sit and go, oh my gosh, it's so easy to talk to this person and conversations just happen out of nowhere. And especially for me going to my camp to find somebody who you know, every conversation you have is kind of like, hi, how are you? What's it like? How are you in front of the camp? End of conversation. And um, so talking to Ben, it was kind of like, you know, we talked about all sorts of random subjects. And it's like, I guess, yeah, being a first ca a camp, it made a big impact sitting there going, oh, I can actually really get along with, with somebody that's really nice. Yeah. yeah. So so just backing up a bit, Ellie, um, so you, you didn't come from a Christadelphian background. You were um, a school friend of Caitlin. So obviously along the way, your um, relationship with God had to develop. So you found that you sort of, that, that sort of worked in tandem with your um, growing relationship with Ben? How did, how did that sort of work? Uh, I guess so. I mean, I'm gonna, I have to admit, like my initial intentions for attending camps and attending CYC was quite selfish in the sense that I wasn't attending for God, I was attending for the fact that I enjoyed the people that were there and I enjoyed the opportunity to make friends and there was something really to me appealing about a group of people who didn't go to parties and didn't you know do drugs because I didn't fit into that group at school and so you kind of felt a little bit outcasted unless you knew the kind of people that you were looking for. So 
my yeah my initial intentions of, of attending things was was quite selfish in that sense but as you can imagine it, it grew over time to sit there and go you know you get an understanding of God and and what he does for you and you start to see him working in your life even in the smallest ways um yeah so I don't know I feel like I'm not really so, so having, having um you know a bible the bible as a background in Ben's life was that was that something you also found attractive was that something that was quite appealing having having that bible basis I suppose it was kind of more I wasn't into like the drugs and the drinking and the partying and it just didn't interest me and I think for you that's probably what more yeah I guess that was kind of what felt like I had something in common with, with Ben is the fact that we neither of us were into that stuff and you kind of attend a, a Christadelphian camp and nobody's really into that stuff but yeah I guess there is a level in which when you're I've never really dated anybody outside of the truth in all honesty um but it was nice to to meet people and see people like you know like Ben who they kind of had a moral standing and you sit there and go I don't feel like he's going to try and take advantage of me or that sounds really weird but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, I know what you mean. It's someone who's who you can trust. Yeah. I guess there was you that natural that there and feel. You just feel a little bit safer. You sit there and go like, I'm a. They kind of have other people's best intentions at heart. Yeah. 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 So, how long were you dating for? How long were you going out? Um, so we were engaged for one year. Yeah, about two months. Um, we were together for three when we got married. So about two years, somewhere around there. Two years, two years dating and one year, one year engaged. Yeah, about ten months engaged. Ten months. Yeah. So just a question on that was, what do you reckon about that time frame for engagement? Was that like you, you had ten months? We had when we were engaged. We had nine months. Do you reckon that was too long or too short? Like we found it, we found it that was long for us. When, know, we, when we were engaged, it felt like it was forever. Mm. It felt like our wedding was never going to come, and it just kept on dragging on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, I don't know. You, you hear of other people who had um, an engagement that was literally like, I don't know, two or three months, and that feels really quick. But I guess at the end of the day, we were always warned, like, be careful. Like, it is really exciting being engaged. And um, I know that I, I tell friends of mine who, or have told friends of mine that are, are considering getting engaged, like, you know, don't hold it off just because, you know, whatever. Like, if you want to get engaged, then get engaged. Um, because it is really exciting to walk somewhere and go, this is my fiance and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. It's definitely a case of we waited 10 months because we wanted to get married in January, mostly for the weather. And by the time you're about three months into the engagement, you sit there and go, honestly, I'd get married tomorrow and it could be thunderstorms. And it really doesn't bother me. Um, but we were definitely warned, like, be careful. The longer you're engaged, the harder it gets. And I can I can definitely vouch for that, like, especially by the, and I'm sure probably for any time frame it gets hard. But especially when you've been waiting that long and it's, you know, one week to your wedding, you sit there and go, we're so close. But you still have to stay so strong. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, did you set boundaries? Did you set boundaries in your relationship when you were going out? Um, to be honest, we had, you know, the standard mental boundaries of, you know, no, no sex, 
essentially. Um, but aside from that, probably not really. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah, it was just something we didn't really talk about. And we probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, we sit there and go. Um, I mean, I know this was brought up last night. The idea that there, the problem with dating is that there's no like given time as when to when you should bring up boundaries. And so whether it's the one month one month mark or whatever, as you sit there and go, oh yeah, we should probably talk about how far is too far. Um, but it doesn't really for us. It never we never really came across that moment. It was the sort of thing you kind of found out in some ways the hard way. Um, one of you would sit there and go after I don't know something happened. You sit there and go, I think that was a bit too far. I don't want to you know get that carried away next time. Um, but engagement was it in some ways for us gave us the opportunity to openly and easily discuss like redefining boundaries and so they're thinking like okay we've got to stick it in for the long haul we've been warned how hard it is to be engaged especially like you know we're meant to be having quite a long engagement what kind of things are we going to be aware of what kind of like do we need to reverse boundaries that we've potentially crossed you know are we being realistic with the boundaries that kind of stuff so we didn't have them in dating and I, I we both agree that it would have been nice to have them or to, interesting to see how it could have turned out with them um, yeah. But engagement, we definitely reevaluated, and I think it was easier, but also a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so you did find that really helpful, you know, evaluating boundaries at that point in time. Yeah, it definitely gives you the opportunity to sit there and go. I, I guess mentally preparing, and I've always explained up to friends of mine. Again, we kind of got married before several of our friends um, got married, so. It gave us the chance to sit there and go, please try and learn from the mistakes that we made. Um, and it's one of those things, having talked about boundaries, even if it's the sort of thing you might not want to uh, discuss with your parents at a really young age before it even becomes an issue, just so that if you ever come to that moment, you kind of have that flashing light that sits there and goes, I think I'm going a bit far. Because yeah. if you don't discuss them, you don't have any sort of line that you're crossing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm, so would, would, what would you say to what would be your advice to someone who's going out at the moment you know if you've got a, a young couple who's going out before they get engaged what sort of would you encourage them to have that discussion or would you say well wait till you're engaged oh. I would say probably the sooner the better mm. um, yeah. um, I suppose because that way it's just it's out on plain paper everyone knows where they're at there's no questioning that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a bit awkward in a way because you're sort of sort of presuming you're going to go a bit further, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I suppose once you both kind of reach that stage where you will, you know, reach that stage of, I think I'm in, the, in this for the long haul now. You know, I feel like this is going somewhere. I, I would say you should be having that talk. Um, yeah. And didn't have that talk until we got engaged, and by that stage, we're really into the long haul. And I think that's um, a question that often comes up as well. Is like, I remember being um, like freshly, freshly married, and people ask, you know, is it like, was it worth the wait? Because obviously, that's often the biggest one. And a lot of people say, you know, well, we're already engaged, you know, we know we're going to get married, or they might not be engaged and say, we're going to get married, we know it's going to happen. You know, if we're that committed to each other, do you think it makes a difference to wait or to, you know, if you've kind of mentally committed, is it really a difference? 
And it's kind of hard to explain why, because your in-laws are sitting on the other side of the camera. <laughs> but you sit there and go like, you do something and go, yes, I, I do genuinely feel it was worth the wait, even for the mental side of it, um, the relationships that I'm aware of where they didn't have the opportunity to wait, it didn't kind of plan out like they hoped it would. Um, often the guilt got to them before the relationship actually was like, you know, sealed as such. And so it's amazing how carried away we can or we can convince ourselves that something's okay. And then it doesn't take long for our conscience to kick in and go, you've taken that too far. And it can start to undermine a lot of stuff. You you question everything. And so even just that sense of it, I would sit there and go, you know, or to, to people that asked, it was definitely worth the wait because if you're that committed, is it really worth it's such a it's such a small sacrifice to wait until mm -hmm. until you know, you know, it's approved by God in that kind of sense. Yes. Yeah. I remember um, standing, being at a, at a, at a, a camp and um, being left behind one evening whenever all the kids went out and we were left behind with, with a few couples. It was about three, three couples. And we were all just having this, this heart to heart talk around a, bottle, a big pot of custard that we were stirring. And um, we all came to the conclusion that there was stuff that we regretted in our relationships. None of us had had sex before marriage, but we'd all regretted how far we'd gone. Mm. And that was every single one of us. And, um, you know, from, from a number of different relationships. And, you know, I, I'm just really, like you, I know, really keen to get that message across that says, you know, keep yourself pure until you get married. Mm. It's so important and it, and it saves all those regrets. Yeah, and I think that was the thing that we found is when we, we did our, our pre-marriage classes with you guys and we found them like they were interesting and it's the sort of thing I would, I would like, I'm not saying they have to do them with Rob and Sharon, but I would definitely recommend them because it, it makes you consider stuff that you kind of just brush under the rug or don't think about and it's the little things that tend to trip you up in your first couple of, couple of years, mm. like, I don't know, sticking your socks in the washing basket. <laughs> I'm never going to be forgiven for that. Never. <laughs> um, but we'll but, come to that one too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when we when we were doing our marriage classes with you, it kind of talked about it touched on the subject of why we don't press the red button. But it's a shame. I know Ben and I both thought it's a shame that we're being told this now, when really. Normally, by the time people get to their state of engagement, they've potentially already crossed a lot of the boundaries that we're warned not to. And it's it's simple things like there's a psychological thing of even just kissing is amazing. How your brain really cannot differentiate that between kissing and full blown um, red button. <laughs> but it's a little thing that I feel it's hard to bring up. I'm sure as we're not parents and we don't know how that is, but. It's a conversation I feel like we, we possibly are lacking and there's a, a lot of um, young people can get into hot water because we actually don't know any better and we aren't given the reasons as to why we're asked to wait other than because God said so, which mm. when you're a, a young teenager, it's not normally quite enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what sort of things do you recommend in, in, a, in a dating or, or in your engagement time that really helps to get to know each other and, and you know, in a in a really good and wholesome way that's really, really helpful. What did you find helpful for yourselves? For us, well, obviously talking is a big one. 
you know, like going out to the dates wasn't helpful. Oh, going out on dates to the movies wasn't helpful. But yep. when you can actually just walk around the block or do a bush walk and just talk, you know, and get that communication going is probably really helpful. And I think for us, most helpful was actually organizing things together as yeah. when we realized whether we could, whether we were compatible or not. Yeah. As when you have to. So what sort of things did you organize? Well, it could have been anything from, you know, an activity with CYC. And so you both kind of have to work together to arrange a venue and to arrange what time and what people need to bring. And so you, you kind of tend to divvy up um, roles and responsibilities. Um, but even like I know for me, I found it um, really beneficial for when we might have gone to June weekend and me living in Auckland, I would take a couple of people down to Hamilton. Then we'd pick up some more people from um, Ben CYC and he'd, we'd go the rest of the way from Hamilton down to Wellington. And it was it was really cool getting to see how we worked like separately, but also together. Like I was in charge of arranging the Auckland crew and he would arrange Hamilton where you had to meet somewhere in the middle, make sure everybody was prepared. What did we do if somebody had forgotten a pillow? Like all that kind of stuff. In some ways it was kind of like parenting 101. But it, like, it was little things like that where we got to sit there and go, um, you get to see people's strengths and weaknesses. And so I was, I don't know, it's hard to explain, like Ben was always the driver. And so that's kind of little little aspects where I got to sit there and go, okay, so in married life, I'm quite content not to drive. And Ben is more than happy to drive. So I was okay with that. It also helps that I get car sick, unless I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aspects like that um, really gave us, the opportunity and to actively be looking is this somebody that I get along well with because I'm not sure about you guys but I I do seriously consider how even just simple CYC team building is a big tell onto how that works and if you end up in a screaming match over building a sandcastle you possibly have bigger things to to work through than just marriage yeah, yeah or so. sandcastles yeah, yeah. 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 So when we were chatting with you yesterday, you were talking about how really helpful it was for you both to spend time with each other's families. Oh yeah. Uh, and tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So because Ali was from Auckland, uh, from Hamilton, when we saw each other, we went up for the entire weekend. And so I would stay at Ali's parents' place. At um. When I went up and she would stay at mum and dad's when when she came down um, and it meant we got to see the family dynamic I suppose you would call it um, see that whether or not we actually got along with the other person's family because it's one thing getting on with you know the partner the girl the guy but getting on with the family is actually just as important mm. yeah um yeah so. and so it was like little things like i'd go to um robin carroll's and yeah it was this sort of thing i'd show up friday night wouldn't leave till probably sunday after dinner and it, so it really was like you spent 24 7 for a couple of days with this person and i got to see like you know carol cooked dinner she did this that and the other thing rob kind of did, did these roles and so whether it was subconscious or conscious i got to see more or less where Ben got his family lifestyle want and more, probably what he was going to expect from that. And I was more than happy to sit there and go, yeah, I'm happy to be the one that cooks dinner, saying that we're pretty 
in, but in saying that in our own marriage we haven't replicated to a T either of our family's dynamics but it was even little things mm -hmm. like I have the subconscious expectation that Ben's the one who cooks steak um, and as much as we've never verbalized it he's kind of picked up on it and so it was aspects of I don't know I guess it's it was easy in the sense that because we were having a long distance relationship that was sort of the option for us um, and we really mm -hmm. valued like I really appreciated that Rob and Carol were able to take me for the weekend because I got to see them I got to see Ben but I also got to know them um, and we see them what two to three times a week if not more um, and so it's really nice getting to see them on that level and not feeling like you're just dumped into having to know the in-laws straight after marriage at the same time um, mm. and so it'd be the sort of thing like if if like parents and the couples were comfortable with that even if you were both living in the same city if you could have the opportunity to spend the entire weekend staying with their family it's really beneficial to see the dynamics and how that works and even small things like you know do they do the readings at night is the dad the one who always does the prayers you know who kind of is the, is the little details that help you to to work through the bigger issues in marriage well not i don't know for yeah. us issues and issues are probably different issues but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so talk to us um about you know your, your early start early years of marriage you know beginning stages of marriage were there challenges i think for us the biggest challenge was other than the standard trying to figure out your roles um i know it was a challenge for me ellie had like emotions and stuff <laughs> oh I, you did it bad you ellie <laughs> yes what happened i grew up what? in a family that we didn't really show our emotions very much like I don't know what we did, we must have bottled them up or something, but you know, showing emotions wasn't really a thing. And then we got married and like Ellie cried. And I'm sitting there going, I'm breaking it. What have I done? <laughs> like we just got married and she's crying and I don't know what I did. And I thought I broke her. And so that there was like, yeah, ah, sort of moment. Mm. Um yeah. yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I guess that's that's just like, I guess you'd call it teething of like early stages of marriage is the hardest thing is often getting to see people on a on a more deeper and emotional level because if they were having a hard time at work, you didn't see them during the weekday. Or for me, I didn't see him during the weekday, so I didn't know what it was like for him to be stressed. And little things like then not putting his socks in the washing basket was the sort of thing. Um, we kind of learnt, well, how do you bring that up as a newly married wife without looking like an absolute ogre? Um, because it's just socks. Like little things like that, it's like just teasing issues, like how do you bring that up and not make, not become a victim, but also not play the blame game and all kinds of little things. And for being like, when I am crying, because I still do, um, <laughs> I'm better. Um, but like, what does it do? What helps? What doesn't help? That kind of stuff. It was... Yeah, it was getting to see the emotion of of the other partner that you don't get to see. I don't know, unless you really are living with it. So yeah. Ben, give us some advice. Those of us who are husbands need this advice. What do you do when your wife is crying and she looks like she's broken? 
Run! Run! <laughs> um, what I found worked for me after a lot of trying to fix her, because I'm a mechanic, and when something's broken, I fix it. Um, so after a lot of trying to fix her, I realized that isn't actually what she needed. Um, what I found she kind of more needed was just straight out support. Go in there with a cup of tea. Like if you if you see that she is crying, go in there with a cup of tea, ask her what's wrong, be there to listen to, with her. Um, and let her know that you're there. Um, and then to be honest, I just kind of let her there, let her cry, let her be with her emotions a wee bit. And just kind of come at, come back out into the lounge and do whatever and just check on her, make sure she's okay. Mm. But I've kind of semi given up on the thing of trying to fix her. Because <laughs> Okay. Um, is that helpful, Ellie? Yeah, I'd say, well, I, th um, I think what we've discovered is normally I'm quite a rational person, but um, there are particular um, times of the month when <laughs> I'm a little bit more irrational. And so a lot of the time I was crying, it was completely, there was no reason behind it. And in the sense of one of the reasons Ben probably felt like he broken me is that I had no idea why I was crying. And so it was it was stupid things like I could be absolutely fine and then two minutes later I'd be absolutely bawling my eyes out and I remember beating like you know literally beating yourself up mentally being like why are you crying you're so dumb there's no reason to cry you're absolutely happy he's not doing anything why are you crying and it wasn't directed at Ben in any way but was Ben what was saying about how he kind of said you know it's okay you know just come out when you're ready it's no drama I'm just gonna be here give me a shout if you if you want a blanket or you know do you want a hug or anything it, it was amazing how um, I could see the progression and how quickly I actually started to get over that and it's it's much like you kind of feel like it's more normalized especially when I couldn't put my finger on why I was sad and so for Ben to sit there and go it's okay you know like I still love you like I know you don't know what you're going through right now, but it's okay like I'm I'm over here if you need me kind of made me feel like it was okay to feel broken and so it made yep. it much faster in that sense for me to get over it because I didn't feel like Oh, I wasn't beating myself up as much for not knowing what was wrong. And so, yeah, and that's, that made a big difference for me. But that's that's the hard thing. Like, my tears were probably, again, like, it was probably hormonal, just irrational kind of no reason to cry. So I got over it in a similar manner to why I started crying in the first place, um, which is potentially different to when there is something, like, actually wrong and it's more than just not putting your socks in the washing basket. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we did find there was one particular reason that did make it quite rough on our newly wed marriage, I suppose. And when we got married, or just before we got married, we decided for Ellie to go on the pill um, mm. for obvious reasons. And what we didn't realise is it played havoc with her hormones um, and you found that you would be happy as one second and then the next second you would just feel depressed and bawling your eyes out for as she said not she couldn't figure out why yeah 
guess there are aspects in which like that those kind of contraceptives don't work for everybody and um you there's a lot of different options out there but it was one of those things like i don't feel like they always tell you about the side effects and for that for us that was a massive side effect and especially for um the mm -hmm. first like six months to a year of marriage we had absolutely no idea why i was so upset and it really made it difficult for us to feel like we were happy and we'd made the right decision when we had additional factors kind of playing into it on top of simple things like finding a routine whose role it was to put out the rubbish you know and that kind of stuff making up your own method while living together is hard enough on its own let alone when you've got other factors yeah so so, yeah. so did you ever have any point where you where you went what have i done who have i married you know where did you ever ever have have a point where you were yeah, really wondering what, what you got yourself into. What have I done now? I've committed to it for the rest of my life. I think we all go through little thoughts of like that. But to be honest, they got shut down pretty quick. Whereas I'm just, yeah. I just sat there going, no, you're being an idiot. Like you got the best skill you could, you know, you could ever have. Like, you know, yeah. I don't, yeah, I never had any thoughts like any long lasting regrets about any of our marriage or any of our relationship that's good yeah 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 but i think I, um we brought it up um last night about the idea that i think we've lived a very privileged life in a lot of ways we feel like we're not really qualified to even be considering this topic for good foundations for early marriage because we've had it really really easy um in a lot of ways like you look at what some people have gone through and I sit there and go, oh, I feel guilty for saying it, but part of me is almost waiting for God to pull the rug out from underneath me and sit there and go, you know, you've had a pretty good tool now, but you know, here's, here's your, uh, your hard patch. Um, and so like having our families, like both mine and Ben's families are incredibly supportive and they're both like, they're both really rational people. So like, I'm not going to go on, like, no, we both got, people to sit there and go we don't know what we're doing with this is this normal did you guys struggle with this it was nice to have people around us who you know have obviously been married for several years and could sit there and go um you know we struggle with that too it's it's completely normal you kind of get through that um yeah so. i think having our families there were probably the most important thing of our marriage as well or at least one right. of the most like that's amazing how much we still rely on our parents it's interesting actually how i feel like as teenagers do you kind of like rebel and sit and go my parents are dumb what do they know they're like 150 they don't know what it's like <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what it's like to be my age um that kind of idea and then for us getting married it was almost like a they suddenly, grew, they, they suddenly grew brain cells and yeah. they knew what they were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I think we rely on our parents more, like for the advice, their, um, their kind of wisdom, their help. I mean, Rob and Carol come and help us with all kinds of things, like moving sparkles and other bits um, all the time. And it's the sort of thing, it's like we, we rely on them constantly. That is pretty much a 24-hour hotline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so I guess like I know there's a, a couple of parents that I saw sitting on there and it would be the sort of thing of 
if I was to say anything to a parent, it would say just because your kids have got married, don't don't at all treat it like the birds have left the nest, kind of like hands off. In any case, like the first years of marriage, especially, they need you more than ever because they have no idea what they're doing, and they have no <laughs> idea. And so, like having that support and being invited around for dinner, like you normally would have, or coming around for them to dinner at their place is, is really exciting. Like even now. It's really exciting when we have people over for dinner. We're like, oh, we're like adults. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are <laughs> like adults. You are adults. <laughs> on, that, on that note, how much involvement is good and how much, uh, you know? How much is too much? Yeah. Because <laughs> you do hear of you do hear of a, a lot of stories of in-laws, you know, that they the uh, proverbial in-law who's sort of like Frankenstein <laughs> marching into the house. And, uh, and <laughs> I think we said before about how it's important to get along with the family. Um, and for both of us, we both get on with the family. And so our social life is actually our family. Mm. Um, so like my, neither of our parents really push themselves on into our personal matters or anything. They don't push, but we kind of go to mum and dad. Yeah, so yeah. I think in a nutshell, it would be the case of it's the sort of thing that normally we're the ones to bring it up. Like they can ask, oh, how's your day going? And if I want to get something off my chest, I'll bring that up whether they ask me or not. Um, and there is a level where you sit there and go, there are some things that should remain in a marriage. And sometimes as a parent, you probably need to sit there and go, I'm not comfortable with how much you're telling me. But yeah, it's I guess it's the sort of idea, like I really appreciate how they don't pry whatsoever. In any case, I probably open up too easily. Um, so in that sense, it's, yeah, it's nice to know that the support's there if we need it or ask for it. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. But I'm sure yeah. if... Some, they would have looked from a distance and sat there and go, you guys are really going down an interesting path. Um, that they'd probably intervene. I don't know if they'd have like a whole sit us down and whatever, have a massive talk, but they'd probably just kind of give you, start to give you hints and pointers. I'm not sure if that's a great method that you're using or whatever. But yeah, parents are definitely kind of like the guidebook to marriage because they've done it before you. They know what doesn't work. They know what works best. Yeah, gives you something to work with. Yeah, it's awesome. So what have you both done to um, grow spiritually together? Um, Ali, that's all you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess, our, you know how they say that you've got like a spiritual journey and it kind of has like hills and valleys of how well you're doing and when you're married, it's not like you just suddenly become one big hill and valley. You just have completely different hills and valleys. So there are moments where Ben is on like a great spiritual high and he's like, yeah, we should do this and we should listen to a talk on the way up to Auckland and blah, 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 and puts his hand up for organising. And there's other times when he's kind of at a bit of a flat line and I'll be the one to be doing that. And you sort of drag the other one through your enthusiasm. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't really say we've got an answer to that one. We're still kind of um, figuring that one out. We don't we don't have a a method. It's still you so you we're kind of going through our highs and lows. Sometimes we're at the same point together, but a lot of the time it's we're kind of opposite ends or halfway in the middle. Um, so if you guys have suggestions, we're all ears. Uh, yeah. But so, it, it is good. 
it is good that even you know if you do have your highs and lows what's happening with you, with with your marriage well from what you describe is that the highs are pulling the other one yeah um, we pull that way works better uh, on the screen um, and saying that, like the meeting and bible class and you know spiritual things like that are still the most like the guiding point in our lives like they are still the most important thing in our lives yeah and yes we we all go through spiritual highs and spiritual lows but in terms of going to the meeting and praying and the bare basic stuff like that it is still the most important things in our lives yeah um you know like yeah sometimes so that, 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 that you've made that a priority for yourselves then yeah i was like even the first time ben or one of us was sick on a wednesday night and they couldn't go to bible class it was kind of this weird moment where you suddenly have to make a decision about am i going to go to bible class without them am i allowed to do that are they going to think we're getting divorced like <laughs> it's these little things you say you overanalyze something so simple and we we decided that if one of us couldn't go to bible class the other one would i mean there's no reason to put your spiritual life before um just because of the illness like if ben was absolutely bedridden and it was unsafe to leave him home alone then you take that one as it goes but little things mm. like that if, if i guess that was a decision that we made as well it was um you know we would still attend things even if the other one wasn't able to because like going to the meeting or our spiritual life at the end of the day you want to get to the kingdom together but it's also a, it's also a personal journey for each of us um and so that was something that i know again something you don't necessarily consider talking about pre-marriage until it happens and you suddenly have to make up your mind in 10 minutes um yeah oh so yeah but yeah like we still we still attend cyc um and we've kind of been discussing all not all not whether we'll continue once we've got a baby um are we still going to do sunday school once we've got a kid all that kind of stuff changes based on your circumstances and um I know most of the reason we attend, we still continue to attend our CYC is that we don't have super high numbers. And so it's really easy for two people to go missing and all of a sudden the CYC is halved in number. We're not quite that small, but you you notice people are missing. And no, so the last thing is stop going. And then when the 13 year olds now get to 23, sit there and go, well, Ben and Ellie stopped going when they, were, when they got married. You know, we're not married, but we're 23. Do we just stop going? And so I guess it's that that idea as well, like, you know, what sort of example are we setting for those below us or other people in our own age group? Just because we're married doesn't mean we we don't need CYC, we don't need the socialising and, and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you are a great example. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we... <laughs> Sorry? Sometimes we question that. <laughs> Have you had to deal with conflict? And what did you do about it? To be utterly honest, neither me or Ali like conflict. Yeah. Both of us are the sort of person that in conflict, conflict, we back down. Mm. Which makes conflict kind of easy for us because if anything gets into any sort of argument, we both go, nope, and hop in our little shells. 
to wind down, take five minutes, sit there and go, yeah, I was being pretty irrational. You know, one of us normally reaches a point we feel the need to apologise. So we're very, very blessed in the sense that since neither of us enjoy screaming matches, neither of us start screaming matches. And so, yeah. we've, yeah, we've never, the I wouldn't say we've really ever had an argument. Um, Not a big screaming, throwing thing argument anyway. Like, I would, we've had discussions and... And disagreements. But, yeah, and but, things we disagree on, but... And irritations like socks. Yeah, yeah, little things. And you sit there and go, you just bring it up in a bit of a gruff voice and they kind of get the idea. And for the matter on the socks, the reason <laughs> that I'm floor right next to the washing basket is because I throw them from the other side of the room and miss. And then I go <laughs> back, pick them up, go back to the other side of the room, throw them again and miss again. And then by that stage, I really can't be bothered going to pick them up for a third time. So <laughs> it's pretty much basketball practice. <laughs> yes, I'm not getting any better. Yeah. <laughs> so does it help knowing that Ellie doesn't really like socks just lying on the floor? Does that help you sort of um, make the effort to put them in the washing basket? It's kind of fun trying to see if you can get them in. <laughs> I am getting better at putting them in the washing basket. I'm just not getting any better at throwing them in the washing basket. Yeah, okay. okay. Fair enough. Yeah. You do get a little annoyed by the time there's a pair in the bathroom because he had a shower. And then there's a pair or two next to the washing basket because he was throwing them. <laughs> and then there's like four or five pairs next to or under the bed because that's where he took them off because he got into bed. And so you yeah. sort of get them when you start pushing them around with the vacuum cleaner and then he questions why don't they have any clean socks and you go well interesting enough when they're not in the washing basket they don't get washed but at the time that was um it felt like such a big topic to bring up and i didn't want to be um you know bridezilla of any kind um especially when you sit there and go it only took like a week of marriage to realize that that was an issue. But how do you bring that up when you sit there and go, we've only been married a week, I can't be an ogre yet. So. <laughs> yeah, then another couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and then it sort of seems too late. Yeah. And I think that in some ways as well was one of those hardships that you, the teething issues with marriage is, again, like getting to see Ben when he was stressed, but also in the same way, Getting to beginning to see the warning signs of when I was doing something that pissed him off, but coming being coming from a family where, you know, if they don't like something, they tend to bottle it up because they don't really want to upset the other person. So I very quickly had to learn um, his sort of signs and emotions to figure out when I was doing something to actually ask him before it became a big issue and it did become a disagreement and. You know, or for me, like I might lash out about socks, and you sit there and go, "It's socks." But I'm like, yes, but I've been holding on to this for three months, and I'm <laughs> and yeah, so it was yeah, one of those things where you sit there and go, "It's it's about learning how, or what works best for us as a couple, how to bring up disagreements, what we don't like, niggly things before they become a big problem." Yeah. 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 So, a couple of last questions. What advice would you give to a young couple who are thinking about going out or getting engaged or are about to get married or, or, or just they've got married? What sort of advice would you give to those to a couple? You're heading towards marriage, really. Um, 
I guess it would be reevaluate boundaries. I think that'd be a really important one. Like that's that's one that I would not skip over lightly. Um, for me, it was also not listening to all those people, especially at work, that said marriage is dumb, that it's an outdated custom. Um, you know, why are you getting married, sort of thing. Well, you're so young. Why didn't you just live with them? Um, marriage to me is probably the best thing I ever did. Um, don't listen to all the people that say it's dumb, it's stupid. You know, you're too young. Yeah, and in that same way, like I'll second that. I'll second that. That was yeah. Yeah. Best thing I ever did too. Very much an advocate for young marriage as well. Like I know it's easy for us because we were like what twenty and twenty one. But it's nice to sit there and go, like the first time we moved out, um, we moved into a house together. And so we got to sit there and go, where do we want to put the cups? That's a dumb place to put the cups. Little things like that where you get to build all the, the tiny things. And it really is like you pay, you play little families as five and six year olds. And being married, like especially, I don't know, well, getting the first few years of marriage for us, even now, still feels like we're getting to play families for real life. Like you have people over for dinner and you have tea and coffee with people. And you do baking and you make biscuits and all the little things that it feels like you are playing families in real life. Um, oh, I lost my my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on this, no, what else? I'm, yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, so moving on, what what would you know? And from your first few years of marriage, what what good what advice would you give to? Um, newly married couples or any couple to yeah. help them grow strong marriages yeah um i would definitely just say hang in there um for us our relationship it has only gotten better since we got married yeah and um, like the whole yeah like don't like for us the first six months were a year of marriage were the hardest of all and again, a lot of it's teething issues. A lot of it was additional factors. Um, but, but it's the sort of thing like don't base it off the first six months. Yeah, and you grow, you grow closer the longer you're with them and you reach a stage where, you know, you couldn't, like you can't see life without them. Mm. You know, you couldn't do life without them. Mm. You know, if they weren't there, you would sit there going, I don't know what to do. This is, you know, I've, literally half of me is gone. Mm. Um, I, I remember when we were dating, actually, um, somebody was saying to us, like, you know, you know, you've reached a, reached a pretty serious point in your marriage or in your dating relationship when it gets to a point where just because they're not going to see what I see, you sit there and go, what's the point of going? Like, you know, it's not going to be any fun if they're not going to be there. Or And it could be anything. It might not be so be what we see why I say it could be rock climate, it could be anything, but because they're not going, you sit there and go, Oh, well I'll go, but it, you know, it's not really the same. And it, it's kind of nice to sit there and think like you've reached that point in your relationship and then you get to marriage and you I don't know. I wouldn't say we're dependent on each other, but it is the sort of thing, like it's just not the same. And so to reach that point in marriage where you sit there and go, you love this person to so many pieces that it's just not it just in a lot of ways it doesn't feel like it's worth doing stuff without them. Like you don't yeah. want to go and do something by yourself because it's way much more that's good English um <laughs> way better to go do it with them or take them along with you because 
that's what you're doing you're building life together so yeah, yeah absolutely. don't base it off the first six months of marriage because that's potentially going to be you know teething issues that almost brought a tear to my eye Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you so much for um for sharing with us tonight um yeah you've you've been really great open and honest and it's some fairly difficult and um taboo subjects that we traverse in, in talking about this so thank you so much we really really appreciate that you've been willing to um to have this chat and um yeah share share some of um the highs and lows of of what courtship and, and marriage was, has been so far for yourselves yeah thank that you that's really amazing thank you so much both of you um, and I, I know you will have been an inspiration to to a lot of people tonight. So thank you for that. Uh, looking toward next week, we have um, another exciting marriage topic. Actually, what to do when you really mess up. So uh, <laughs> we discovered tonight that Ben and Ellie sort of um, sort of withdraw into their shell. Um, we're going to find out from Doug and Cindy Mogg next week what to do when they really what they do when they really mess up and i have a feeling they're both sort of a rhino character so they're gonna be see that perspective um the following week we have uh, another topic twisting the cube changing the paradigm with ron and Catherine hoban so that'll be a really interesting one uh, we're going to be looking at, at a story from their life. Uh, looking puzzled about what that means. Yes, yes. <laughs> watch, watch this space. Watch this space. Um, and if you want to receive any information, uh, just email me at robert at thinkythings.com and we will uh, be able to, and I'll be able to put you on the uh, Family Matters email list. Um, 